0: Today's been a good day. We've uh, uh, worshiped by uh, looking back into the past and uh, remembering that time when love uh, came down on that first Christmas in the person of uh, Jesus as he was born uh, to die for our sins and to rise again to offer new life. We've worshiped by praising a God who's present with us, Emmanuel, God. Uh, with us, uh, But right now, I want us to put the focus uh, on the future, uh, that we can count on God, uh, God's faithfulness, not in the past, in the present, but also in the future as we face uh, the new year. So I hope uh, you picked up a copy of the uh, sermon notes as you were coming in, and uh, you've noticed uh, I've entitled today's message, uh, Finding Confidence uh, to Face the Unknowns of the New Year. No one uh, can foresee all the challenges we will face in the new year. And the unknowns about the future uh, can be very frightening. Will terrorist attacks escalate in America in 2016? Will my family be safe? What's going to happen uh, politically and economically in 2016? And how is that going to impact me? How is it going to impact uh, my family? Uh, will my finances hold up in 2016? Uh, will my marriage survive? Uh, how will my kids turn out? Or how, and how about my health or the health of my loved ones? Uh, reality is, We cannot answer those questions. But what we do know is that adversity is inevitable, it's unpredictable, and it can often be very painful. So this raises the question, how then do I find confidence to face the unknowns of the new year without just getting eaten up? with fear and anxiety? And I believe the answer is found in the very last verse of the most familiar psalm in the Bible written by King David where God is portrayed as a shepherd of His people. And of course I'm referring to the great shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23, uh, the last verse, verse 6, which reads, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If God is your shepherd, if he's your shepherd, there are three reasons you can face this new year confidently. I can face the new year confidently first, number one, because God is watching over me. I can face the new year with confidence because God is watching over me. David wrote, surely goodness, God's goodness, will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, Look at that beautiful little phrase from Psalm 145, verse 20. The Lord watches over all who love Him. The Lord watches over all who love Him. Like a shepherd who watches over his sheep, the Lord watches over all who belong to Him, all who are a part of His flock. I do find it interesting that God compares His people to sheep. I don't know how much you know about sheep, but they're not very bright animals. Uh, This is not really flattering to you and I, uh, but it gives us great encouragement that in our dependence uh, we have a shepherd uh, because not only are they not very bright, they have absolutely no sense of direction, Uh, they easily wander and get lost, Uh, they are totally defenseless against their predators. They're easily disturbed and, again, totally dependent on the shepherd's care. And, of course, I'm talking about what? Us. Totally dependent upon the shepherd's care. And what a wonderful assurance that God, as our shepherd, never takes His eyes off His sheep in order to what? Be attentive to our needs to give us the care that we need. So if you're one of God's sheep, what can you expect from God in 2016? To be your shepherd. He will watch over you to protect, to provide, to guide, to comfort, to correct. You may not know what the future holds, but the shepherd does. And no matter what you face, In 2016, He will lead you through it. Just think how the first five verses in Psalm 23 reads. It emphasizes this. The Lord is, what? My shepherd I shall not want. Which literally means I will not lack anything that I need. Because my shepherd is what? The great Jehovah. I am that I am. Whatever you need, He is. And if the God is your shepherd, then you will never lack anything that you need. And then it goes on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Notice, the shepherd gives us rest. He leads us. He restores us. He guides us. He's always with us, even in the midst of our enemies, even in the midst of the valleys and difficulties of life. We even read in Psalm 91.11 that you see there in your notes, for He, God, will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. Isn't that a wonderful verse? A wonderful promise from God? Now listen, this is very important. Listen very carefully right now. The fact that God is watching over you, the fact that angels are protecting you does not mean... That bad will never happen to you. Psalm 23 does speak of valleys, of death, of evil and enemies. God does not exempt you from adversity, but he walks with you through the adversity in order to ensure that good will come out of it. And this is what David meant in Psalm 23, when he wrote, Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. I mean, we know from the biblical record of David's life that he had many difficult and painful days, what we would call bad days. Bad things happened to him. Therefore, he's not saying only good things happen to me. He is saying no matter what happens to me, God will ensure Good will come out of it. Goodness will follow. That's the promise. Goodness will follow. Matter of fact, the word surely, surely goodness will follow me. In the Hebrew text, that literally means only. Only goodness will follow me all the days of my life. See, this is the Old Testament version of the New Testament promise... Of Romans 8 28. And look there in your notes from the Phillips version. It says, Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to His plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. Notice the verse does not say everything that happens to a believer is good, but it does say everything that happens fits into a pattern that ultimately what leads to good. There is no difficulty, no dilemma, no defeat or disaster in a Christian's life that God will not ultimately bring good out of it. No matter what happens to a believer, goodness will follow. Therefore, I find confidence to face the unknowns of the new year, knowing that God, my shepherd, is watching over me to ensure his goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Well, there's a second reason I can find confidence to face the unknowns of the new year. Not only is God watching over me, but because grace is working in me. Because grace Is working in me. Not only goodness will follow me, but David said, Surely mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Look at Isaiah chapter uh, 60, verse 10. I will now have mercy on you through my grace. I will have mercy on you through my grace. What is grace? Grace is God's riches bestowed on you at Christ's expense. Grace is God treating His Son, Jesus, on the cross as if He had lived your sinful life so God can treat you now as if you had lived Christ's sinless life. Grace is God giving you what you need, not what you deserve. And what is mercy? Mercy is simply grace in action. Grace in action. Why do we need mercy? Because we are imperfect sinners. Yes, we're sinners saved by grace, but we're still sinners, and we still struggle. You know, I believe David wrote Psalm 23 toward the end of his life. As he reflected back over God's faithfulness to shepherd him through life. And as David looked back, he concluded, despite my sin, and there were many significant sins in his life that included adultery and murder. He said, despite my sins, despite my failures, God's mercy followed me all the days of my life. These verses are not in your sermon notes. But in my opinion, a couple of the greatest verses in all the Bible are found in Lamentations chapter 3. Probably the most depressing book in the Bible. Depressing because God's people have failed God miserably. His people sin. And as a result of their sin They were taken away into the Babylonian captivity. and Jerusalem was just a a heap of rubble. And the prophet writes, This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Even right now, in the midst of the greatest failure, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's the prophet saying, because God is a God of mercy, the last word is not going to be the failure of His people. It's going to be the triumph of His love, the triumph of His mercies and compassion. In 2016, you are going to stumble and fall. Again, it's inevitable because we're imperfect sinners. Your pastor is going to stumble and fall we're going to make mistakes and as a result of those mistakes there's going to be painful consequences and that's why we need God's grace and mercy and when you understand God's grace and mercy when you really realize what God has extended to us you will realize that God will never punish you if you're his child He's never going to do anything to get even with you. Jesus has taken the penalty for everything you have ever done wrong or will do wrong. He took the punishment you deserved. God does not get even for things He already paid for on the cross. He paid for it. You don't. Now this does not mean that God does not discipline you. But there's a huge difference between punishment and discipline. The purpose of discipline is not to punish, but to correct. The focus of discipline is not your past bad, but your future good. Mercy means that when I am going through a tough time, when I'm going through a valley, a heartache, even one that I brought on myself, God is there to help me. Look at the marvelous invitation in Hebrews 4:16. Let us therefore draw near with, what's the word? Confidence to the throne of grace. Sinners can draw confidently to the throne of grace. How can that be? Because Jesus did take our punishment. He paid the penalty. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Therefore, as an imperfect sinner, I can walk right into God's presence as His child knowing that I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I go there, why? To receive mercy And to find grace to help in time of need. That's the kind of shepherd we have. I can face the unknowns of the new year with confidence. Why? Because of confidence in God's mercy and grace to help in my time of need. Help that is available to me 24-7. Amen. Just like goodness follows us, mercy follows us. You know, picture a parent following a little toddler, picking up after them. In the same way God is constantly picking up after you, you make mistakes, you get things out of order, you make messes in life and relationships. And the whole time, God's mercy is following you. Picking it all up, putting it back together, cleaning up the messes, and yes, when necessary, spanking your little bottle. Not to punish, but to correct for your future good. And that mercy follows you all the days your life. You know, in the 366 days of 2016, it's leap year, you will experience, you will experience many different kinds of days. There's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. There's going to be some really happy days in 2016. There's going to be some really sad days. There'll be some easy, some hard days. There will be days when everything seems to go right. And then there will be days when everything seems to go wrong. And that's why we fear the future. We do not know what is going to happen from one day to the next. But if God is your shepherd, if He is your shepherd, you will never face a day without His goodness and mercy. Now some days it may be difficult... To see God's goodness and mercy, you necessarily won't feel it. Well, how can you be sure it's there? Because God does not lie. He never changes. He keeps His promises. You now we get so worked up about the future because we start what? What ifing? What if, what if, what if. Or just, just suppose. Well, folks, there's no supposing in the Bible. There's just reposing on God. It says, surely, again, only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Relax, trust God, knowing that the one who holds the future is the one who holds your hand. Christians go into the future not with a question mark, but with an exclamation point. Not what if in fear, but what next in excitement and in faith. Psalm 23 is about shepherding. It begins, The Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd does not drive the sheep like you drive cattle. A shepherd leads from where? From the front. But in the rear, you'll find one or two sheepdogs keeping the sheep in line. And beloved goodness and mercy are like God's divine sheepdogs in life. They're constantly following you, nipping at your tail, keeping you in line, keeping you safe so you don't get lost. Once you're in the flock, you don't get out because those dogs keep you in. Goodness and mercy keep you in God's flock And with them following you, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. So I can face the new year confidently because God is watching over me. Because grace is working in me. And and before I move to the third and final point. Because grace is working in me. Can I suggest a prayer that you would commit to pray on a regular basis for, for your life in 2016. This is a prayer that I pray for my life on a regular basis and I would encourage you to do the same. You may want to uh, just establish the habit the first thing you get in the morning. I mean it's not going to take more than a minute. Maybe it's first thing when you get up. Maybe it's right before you go to bed. Maybe it's as you drive on the way to work or when you're working out or you just find some time that you're going to work this into your schedule, and you're just going to pray this through 2016. Because yes, God is working in me, but He wants me to uh, His grace is, but He wants me to reciprocate. He wants me to cooperate. And this is a beautiful prayer of surrender to God's grace. And you can just jot down these verses. It, this is not in your notes. It's Ephesians chapter three. Here's the prayer. Ephesians chapter three, verses fourteen. twenty-one, And this is basically how it reads. And I'll personalize it. And this is what you need to do as you pray. And, And it simply is, God, grant me, grant me, grant Andy, according to the riches of your grace, to be strengthened with power through your Spirit, in my inner man. That I would know the reality of Christ Jesus dwelling in my heart, rooted and grounded in His love. To know experientially the length, depth, breadth, and height of that love that surpasses knowledge. That I would be filled with your fullness. And now, God, to you, To the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and beyond and beyond anything that I could even ask, think, or imagine. Lord, do it. Work. Your grace. For the glory of Jesus. In my life. And the generations to follow. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Notice where it all begins. He cries out to God. God according to the riches of your grace. Work where? In my inner man. In my innermost being. That you would purge, cleanse my thoughts, my affections, my will. Why? So that my heart would provide Jesus a home where he could dwell comfortably. Where Jesus would be relaxed with me. Where Jesus would have his way, would have his will. That I might become rooted and grounded to enjoy that love that surpasses knowledge. That you would just empty me, empty me of everything that's not like Jesus to fill me with Jesus. That wherever I go, Jesus would go and be exalted and magnified in and through me. And now I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to put the confidence in my willingness, my ability... But I'm going to put my confidence in your willingness and your ability to do beyond anything I could even think to ask for. And you'll do it for your glory and for your honor through that power that works in me. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So I I just, I I throw that challenge out to you. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. You just just work that into your uh, habit in 2016 to pray that prayer. Daily, on a regular basis. So, I can be confident because God is watching over me. Because grace is working in me. And then finally, because heaven is waiting for me. Amen? Because heaven is waiting for me. Psalm 23 concludes with, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The little word, and, is one of the most... Important connections we see in the Bible, especially right here in this verse. It connects yesterday and today with tomorrow. God says, I have this great life planned for you. I am watching over you. My grace is working in you. And surely goodness and mercy will follow you through it all. But that's not the end. That's not the end. He builds to a crescendo. David ends this psalm by saying, I'm going to heaven. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when our daughter, Carissa, and she may have done this with some of y'all, when she ever meets somebody for the first time, she has a classic line. She'll say, I'm Carissa, and she'll say, I'm the baby of my parents' ten children. And then she'll say, and they saved the best for last. <laughs> well, folks, I want you to know God has saved the best until last. With God, it just keeps getting better and better. Truly, the best is yet to come. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Folks, heaven is our home, not earth. And this should tremendously impact the way we live. Why would I want to build up treasures in heaven or on earth when it's just going to be my temporary residence? No, I want to Lay up for myself treasures in heaven. And what do I mean by that? You lay up treasures in heaven by building character. Not by focusing on accumulating things. Not focusing so much on happiness, but on holiness. On holiness. Now... As I close, how can I know I am one of God's sheep and that I'm going to heaven? Well, look at that last verse in your sermon notes, or the last couple of verses from John chapter 10. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Would you circle two key words listen and follow? Listen and follow. You tell God's sheep by those who are listening to God and following God. And it begins by listening to God. And his plan of salvation. That it's not by works that we do. It's not by us trying to earn God's favor. Earn our way into heaven. Earn our way into God's flock. No, again, it's by his grace. It's by his mercy. It's by his goodness. Jesus came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life. As we would put our trust in Him and the fact that He did die for the penalty of our sins. He did take the punishment we deserve. God did treat Him on that cross just like He lived Andy's sinful life so that right now He could treat me as if I had lived Christ's sinless life as I put my faith and my trust in Him. And then we just have the wonderful joy of being given an eternal life and continuing to listen, continuing to follow. You say, well, well, Andy, what if I sin? Well, we've already covered that. His mercy still follows us. But the point here is, you may let go of God's hand, but He's never going to let go of your hand. That's why He says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. In other words, they shall never perish. Why will they never perish? Because no one can snatch them out of my hand. So I pray, as we enter 2016, uh, you have the confidence that you're one of God's sheep, that you're in His flock, because you've put your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And if you are one of God's sheep, what joy should be yours today? You don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what 2016 will hold, but the shepherd does. And the shepherd is the one who holds your hand. The shepherd is the one who leads you. And we have the wonderful privilege of what? Following. Knowing that as we follow Those old two sheepdogs are back there. Goodness and mercy to keep us in line to ensure that we remain in God's flock. As the invitation is extended this morning, uh, I can't imagine that we all don't need to respond to this this truth. Uh, Just there in the privacy of your own heart just rejoicing in the confidence that you have uh, in Christ as your shepherd, as a, as a believer. If you do not know Jesus, that this would be the day, like it was for me in September 20th of 1970, when I turned from running my own life, turned from my sin to follow Jesus as I invited Him into my life to forgive me of my sins and take control of my life, and we would encourage you to do that uh, today. I'll be standing at the front to greet anyone that has uh, any decision they'd like to share with me, Uh, unite with the church, profession of faith, or some burden you'd like to share, just want special prayer for. So uh, please stand as the invitation is extended, but let's every one of us respond in our hearts to this truth and put our trust in our Shepherd.